and it has been uh, so helpful, um, so helpful to me. So Proverbs 31, we're going to, this is our fourth lesson in Proverbs 31, and uh, we're going to finish it up this morning. But our, to be on, I'll pull up our outline, and uh, this morning I want to just read through sort of the structure that we've done before, and I, I really hope that it'll sort of come, come together this morning, we're going to see why it was uh, so important that we um, highlight this. <coughs> But before we do that, uh, I just want to review a little bit where we have been. Like I said, this is our fourth lesson in Proverbs 31. The first lesson was on verses 1 through 9. It was sort of its own section, and it highlighted sort of just effective leadership and the importance of that um, by the king and uh, transports to uh, men in the house and then to every one of us, wherever we are in leadership. And then verses 10 through 31... You all know this is a very famous poem to the excellent wife, to the valiant woman. Um, as where we've been the past couple weeks, and we've seen that um, the king needs this kind of woman if he's going to excel in his leadership. Um, she will not sap his strength like a lust and craving for other women will, like in the previous section. Um, she will add to his strength. He will succeed in his calling as he's supported by this kind of woman. So he should value her highly, and we're going to really see that this morning. And then also, she's a model for all women um, to follow. Um, she's not an unattainable ideal. She's a real woman um, with characteristics that can be imitated and are ought to be imitated. Um, so that said, what are some points, what are some truths, things that you remember from the past couple lessons, uh, where we've been uh, here in Proverbs 31? Anything stands out just by way of review? I'll let you do the reviewing this morning. Things we've said, points we've made, pulled out. <clears throat> what is an excellent wife? What does that mean? Remember? Woman of valor. A woman of valor or a valiant woman, it, it, it's really this word strength. It's used often of military might. And we're going to see it again this morning. She overcomes all these obstacles that are posed against her home and, uh, and in life that comes after her. Um, she overcomes them with great success, um, just like a mighty warrior would triumph and, 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 uh, for the well-being of her, of her family. Yep. It's good. What else? What else do you remember? So far from this this poem, yes, she's industrious. She's very hardworking, and again, she she sort of embodies these these principles that are all through the book of Proverbs. The, the goodness of work, uh, it's good. Anything else? That's a really good point. And I was going to spend a little bit of time fleshing that out a little bit. We just don't have time to do it. But um, she is not in those verses pictured as the main breadwinner for the home. The husband's not off sitting around with his buddies and she's out working, making the living. That's not what's going on there. He's established the economic foundation for the home. He is the 
leader and the provider for the home, and she is managing those resources and only causing them to increase. Um, so that's exactly what's going on there. Greg? Um, Another thing that yes. I like, uh, her, her activities are secondary, mm. or her part, excellent. Her yep. part attitude is primary. Excellent, excellent. And you go into a, a lot of, you get into a lot of trouble when you make the activities primary because the activities are very cultural. The activities are in this context as a as a queen woman with a, a king as her husband and in an agrarian society, activities aren't the point. It's the hard attitudes that's driving it. So that's exactly right. What are some of those qualities and those hard attitudes? Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think it's her delight. Yes. Providing not for herself but for yep. her husband. Yep. Excellent, excellent. So she's not just grueling under this headship submission thing. You know, she, she, she's filled with delight. And we're going to see that again this morning. Um, yep. She seems to be like, um, I guess, selfless, meaning that she gives up her yeah. time and um, to, uh, to excellent. make her household the main focus. Yep. Excellent. Yeah, she, she's very selfless, and her main focus, you see it over and over again, is her home, her home, her husband. And we're going to see that this morning. Her husband is sort of the, the pivot point of this poem. It's very significant. So, um, so it's very good. So look at um, the structure here before it shuts off on me. Please don't shut off. Okay. All right, so I'm going to read the entire poem this morning. I'm going to do it here so you can follow along. In the Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. And I'm going to do this so you can see where this whole poem is building up, because we're going to get to that pivot point this morning. And it's very significant for understanding the whole thrust of what's going on here. All right, and then I have this attached to yours in the back. So let's read through it, and, um, and then we'll dive in. Again, it's chiastic, means it's in these frames, they parallel each other, and it builds like stair steps to a, to a middle point. And the center point, Hebrew poetry is the main point. It's what it's all centering around. An excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her households and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms <coughs> strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That is the pivot point. It's all built into that. Now look how it reflects everything that we've just said working out. Now she makes linen garments and sells them and delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Verse 27 paralleled that whole section up here in green, where it's talking about her activities. That's not a touchscreen. 
She looks well to wave her households and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The whole theme of Proverbs. Give her the fruit of her hands, let her works praise her in the gates. So this morning we are going to hopefully uh, finish this entire thing. You can see in this section here, it's very um, intentionally put together. Verses 13 to 19 in itself is sort of the chiasm of its own section. And now this morning we're going to really focus on verses 20 through 26. Her abundance is administered and then her praise is proclaimed in 28 to 31. So we are going to fly through this and try to uh, see what all is going on. If you have a question, please feel free to to jump in, but we're going to run here. So verse 20 through 26 is her abundance is administered. So we, we saw back in verses 13 through 19, the main point was her activities. The verbs you can see are sort of fronted. Go back here. As she seeks, she is, she arises in Hebrew. They're, they're all fronted. It's her activity. It's about her, like Tuck pointed out, her producing abundance. That's the main focus, her industry. She's providing for her home. Now this next section, verses 20 through 26, shows what she does with it. Why is she after an abundance? What does she do with this that she accumulates? Um, it zooms into um, helping us see what, what she does. So look at verse 20. See how it escalates all the way to verse 23. In verse 20, she uses her abundance to bless the community. In verse 21, she clothes her family with it. In verse 22, she enjoys it. And then verse 23, her husband is exalted because of it. Um, it is escalating all the way to that pivot point. All right, so because it's the key as we're going to go frame by frame. We're going to look at the A frame, the B frame, the C frame, and then that, that pivot point. And, uh, and there's so many implications when we, when we do this. So let's dive in. Look at verse 20 and 26. The first point is she models and teaches wisdom. She models and she teaches wisdom. So look at the two verses. I'll let you tell me really quickly. How is verse 20 and verse 26 linked? Right? I'm also trying to help you guys get the lenses so when you come to Proverbs, you can, you can see this on your own. How are these two verses linked together? How do we know they're parallel with each other? Verse 20 and 26. What do you think? Yes? Think the implication is what? She's using the things that she has produced 
not only to sell them, but she's doing it to what? To use them for generosity. And if you remember back to our lessons on money and wealth, it's been a little while, a few months since we've done it. But we, we made a point there that in Proverbs and also all through the Bible, one of the primary purposes for work, for labor, and for the abundance that's in our possession is that we can use it for generosity. Um, John Piper says we work to get to give. We work to get to give. Um, a big part of it is to provide for our homes, but a big part of it is to, to give. Paul said in Ephesians 4, let the thief who stole steal no longer, but do what? But work with his hands, why? So that he might have something to give. This is um, God's work in your life. And this is what she's doing. She's laboring so that she can have something to give. Um, all through Proverbs, we've seen the, wife or the, the wise are not controlled by a craving for wealth. Uh, what controls the wise? What is their craving? It's the word of God. Yep. And beyond that, sort of that's sort of the core. That's what's producing everything. What is their, their drive? Their drive is for righteousness. Their drive is for pleasing the Lord, not to earn anything, but because of everything he's done for them. It's the fear of the Lord. Um, and that's what's driving uh, her. Uh, the wise are controlled by a love for God man more than wealth. And so they use their wealth for the good of their fellow man. That's exactly what you see in this woman. Um, remember back through in verses 1 through 9, the king was also to be characterized by a concern for the poor and the needy and his judgment and justice in court. And she does the same thing. Look what Bruce Walkie says. He says, whereas the king opens his mouth to defend their interests in court, the valiant woman is open-handed with her palpable needs. In other words, wisdom and love will take many forms, as diverse as each of our callings in life. And the point is we must aim for this. And wherever God has placed us. Now look down at verse 26. She not only models wisdom, she teaches wisdom. She teaches the lifestyle of wisdom, which is steadfast love. Her heart of wisdom is displayed in her actions in verse 20. And now they're displayed in her words, verse 26. It says she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She's able to teach wisdom because she's first internalized wisdom in her heart. Um, notice she doesn't merely teach wisdom, but she models it. The two are to be held together. So what's the essence of wisdom? We've said it over and over. The essence of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Well, what does that look like? And Proverbs over and over tells us that genuine fear of the Lord looks like righteousness, which is what? Which is love. The righteous do what? They disadvantage themselves for the advantage of others. We've seen that over and over and over again. This is exactly what she does. She opens her mouth with wisdom. What is wisdom according to this verse? The teaching of kindness. The word is chesed. Steadfast love. Grace. Instruction about genuine love is wisdom. And so notice, just notice the connection between these two. Um, the implications that are that are here. She not only teaches wisdom, she models it in her conduct. Um, so here's a couple implications for us. We've not come to know wisdom until we've come to practice wisdom. You can memorize the book of Proverbs and not have wisdom, is the point. 
point is, is that the extent to which I live according to the precepts of the book is the extent to which God's word is taken root in my life. Um, so after all this study, I am no wiser just for preaching this book. It's what we do with it, how we obey it, and the love that comes out of our life for one another. Number two, we must be on guard against simply teaching the right things, especially as parents. As we teach our children, um, our role as teacher will only carry weight and credibility to the extent that we model it. And it is dangerous. I feel it um, teaching you guys. I felt it this week thinking of, man, have I submitted my life to the truths that I'm teaching you before I'm, before I'm teaching it to you? We are to study the word to do the word and then teach the word. If we get that backwards, we will teach hypocrites. It's dangerous. Focus on knowing the word, doing the word, and then teaching the word. And that's what she does. She models for us. Let's look at the next point. Verse 21 and 25. She you provides money okay. for a home. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think of uh, Ezra 7.10. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, yep. he, he set his heart to study and then to obey and then to teach. Yep, that's the model. Yeah, yeah. it really is. And um, it has such a weight. I mean, that's one of the things they just hammer away out of six expositors. It's just the uh, the weight of uh, ministry. Not only teaching the Word, because it's the Word of God, you got to get it right. But, man, if my life isn't lighted up to this, and I'm just teaching, and my life is not submitted to its truth, it's destructive for myself, and it's destructive for my hearers. And um, so something I just got to keep before me. And we all got to keep before us, because we're all teachers in, in, some, in some level. So it's good, but it's exactly Ezra. Really good. All right, look at the next point. Um, she provides abundantly for her home. And I'm going to fly through these. Verse 21 and 25. Verse 21 says, She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes adequate provisions. Um, snow represents the dangers of cold in winter. You can die through winter if you haven't made preparations at that time. They didn't have a heat pump outside. Um, if you didn't make preparations, you're not going to survive it. Um, and she does. She's like the ant. Stored up, preparing for foreseeable needs. Her clothing here is most likely warm wool. We saw that in the previous section. It's scarlet. Very expensive. Very splendid. So it's warm and splendid. She abundantly provides for her household. Again, that's her main focus. That's the point. Look down at verse 25. It's parallel. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. Her character of strength leads to her being clothed in splendid clothing herself. And this picture of her laughing at the, at the day to come, that's a parallel expression for not fearing. You laugh at something not that's funny, that's not the point, it's something that you have victory over. Again, she's pictured as this conquering warrior who looks at the coming day victorious, right? So in Psalm 2-4, what does Yahweh do? He laughs over his enemies. Because why? Because he is conquered them. He's certain of victory over them. And she does the same thing because of her preparations. And uh, only question I have, I have it there in your outline, is um, is this the picture of, a, of an arrogant rich person who doesn't trust the Lord? I mean, 
She has security because of her abundant provision she's made. So is she not trusting the Lord? Is that not, is that what's going on here? Is she like the rich fool that says, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry? You've got everything taken care of? I don't think that's what's going on because she fears the Lord. Verse 30. The only point I want to make here is that the two are contradictory. You're earning and you're saving and you're even enjoying a sense of financial security is not contrary to trusting the Lord. Um, your fear of the Lord will lead you to faithfully live and avail yourself of his means. But the evidence that you trust wealth is not that you simply save it or that you enjoy some security from it, but that you sin in order to get it or that you sin because you do not get it or you... Um, sin um, in the way you use it. And that's always how it's pictured. Um, so you got to keep a balance here. So, yes? The last dimension here, it's not the same as the last dimension when wisdom says because of your climate you will laugh it. It's not the same. It's actually very similar. Um, there she's sort of mocking, but it's also a laugh of triumph and a laugh of victory that she will ultimately have the last laugh really. She will ultimately have the last victory over those who rejected her. So it's sort of very similar. Um, uh, maybe a little bit different. Not so much the mockery here uh, that was there. So. so she's like an ant. And she models wisdom for us, and yet she trusts the Lord. Um, she's not sinfully devoted to her wealth. How do we know that? She's generously given it away. Um, how do we want to guard our hearts against trusting wealth? Give it away. Guard yourself. Look at the next step, verse 22 and 24. She produces costly apparel. She makes bed coverings for herself, verse 22. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. And delivers sashes to the merchants. So first she makes for herself two items, bed coverings. This is the same word used of the adulteress back in chapter 7, verse 16. It, it represents lavish coverings for the bed. It made the bed soft and beautiful. It's a symbol of luxury. And uh, obviously it's a good thing in this context. She also makes fine linens and purple. Fine linens probably refer to the white undergarments and the purple refer to the splendid outer garments she would wear. And you know purple is very expensive. It came from a dye. It was extracted from a seashell off the Phoenician coast and imported to Israel. Very, very expensive. And that's what her clothing is um, made out of. The whole point is she is enjoying luxury. And again, it's not sinful luxury. She's being praised here. Um, the point is she hasn't neglected any of her duties. She's cared for her household. She is generously provided for her needs, and she has so much left over that she's clothed in luxury. And um, one more thing to point out is who is she? She is the wife of who? Uh, a king. She needs to be clothed this way. She honors her husband, as he is a king sitting in the gates, as she is splendidly clothed and arrayed. And again, so she, even this, she is not simply serving herself. Um, she is devoted to the exaltation of her husband as king. Which leads us to uh, the very center, verse 23. Her husband is exalted in his leadership. It says her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. This is what the whole poem has been building up to. And notice how unique it is. She has been the subject of every verse, and now it switches to her husband. This is what um, all of her activities have been supported. 
what has been resulting in, and really what she has been focused on from the very start. He will excel in leadership, owing large part to the faithfulness and devotion of his wife at home. It says her husband is known in the gates. Now, when you think of gates, if you're like me, you probably think of two metal gates that sort of swing open at the front of the city. Um, It's not the picture here. The city gates were a massive area. Um, It's where government took place. It's where court and trials took place. It's where commerce took place. It's where leadership was gathered um, to execute justice. It's where the king sat, uh, was in the city gates. And he's sitting with the elders of the land. And the elders were those who assisted the king to rule. And it says he is known. Now, what does it mean that he's known in the gates? All right, hold your hand here. Go to Job 29, and I want to show you really quickly. Um, We're losing time fast, but this is so helpful because it's exactly what Job talks about. He is known in the gates. It doesn't mean that people know about him. It means he is exalted and renowned in his place of leadership. Job 29, in verse 7, Job is very similar Job 29, verse 7, he says, I went out to the gate of the city. When I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew. They wouldn't even stay in my presence. I was so highly honored. The aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When their ear heard, it called me blessed. It's very interesting because at the very end of this section in Proverbs 31, the same thing said about the value of woman. Just throw that out there. When the eyes saw it approved. Because I delivered the poor. Very interesting. That's verses 1 through 9. And when they cried for help, the fatherless who had none to help. And then you could keep, keep on reading. That's what it means to be known in the gate. He is highly exalted and honored. Why? Primarily because he is excelling and righteous leadership. It is the role and the duty of the king, and it's the role and the duty of the husband to excel in leadership, especially spiritual leadership of the home and of the community. To a large extent, he is dependent on his wife for that, as she faithfully supports, manages the home and cares for him. His care for the home, his instruction of the children, and his management of his resources have been all satisfied by his valiant wife. And he is free now to thrive and succeed in leadership in the gates. So what's the point? Men, we're called to this. We're called to spiritual leadership in the home, in our communities, especially our church. Even if you're not an elder or a deacon, as a man, um, you're to lead. You have to set the, the pace of spiritual leadership. Our role does not mean we can demand service. That's not why it's given to us. It's given to us so we can lay our lives down in sacrificial leadership for those around us. And men, don't forget how much you need your wife. We are needful. They're not below us. They're complementary to us. And women, you have a very significant role. Your husband largely depends on you for success. So that is her abundances administered in verse 20 through 26. And we only have about 10 minutes, so let me fly through her character's praise, and then I'll open it up. 
Let me read all of it, verses 28 to 30, and see how it's linked together by this word praise. It unifies this last section. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Said the same thing about Job. Interesting. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So it begins in verse 28 and 29 by the praise from her home. Her home is praising her. Her children first rise and call her blessed. They rise up to a sense of great honor because of the valiant wife that she is. And they call her blessed. This word blessed, think of Psalm 1-1. It's the same word. It means truly happy. Living the fulfilled life. Living the flourishing life as God intended it from creation. That is what she is enjoying. Um, living within the roles that God has established. Um, you'll flourish and you'll enjoy it. And enjoy the happy life. And that's exactly what they're praising her for. But notice that it's not just the children, but who else is rising up? It is her husband. Her husband is rising to praise her, to honor her, along with her children. Husband's headship does not mean you don't need to honor your wife. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong to honor your wife. You ought to. It's exactly what he does here. It's very appropriate. You depend largely on her. But he doesn't only honor her, he praises her highly. Um, I think verse 29 is a quotation of the husband's praise. Look, it transitions from talking about her to talking about you. The husband says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. He is praising her for the valiance of her character. So let me give you another, a couple implications here. I, I get this from when Jim Neuheiser was here. If you remember at the counseling conference, he said this mainly as an admonishment to husbands, but to both couples, to both spouses in marriage. That is practice affirmation. Practice affirmation, especially husbands. You see that here. He is practicing affirmation of his wife. It's not flattery. It's not manipulation. Don't do that. Recognize genuine traits of valor, genuine traits of God's grace alive in their hearts. Point it out, reveal it, speak it, praise it, commend it. Because of her hard work, her provision, her care, her instruction, her modeling of wisdom to the family. It is good, it's not wrong, you should be doing this. I need to be doing this. Practice affirmation. But what should the affirmation be centered around? Look at verse 30. The praise of her character. It says, Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's the core of wisdom, and that is what is driving everything she's doing. Her devotion to I am who I am. That's the core of her heart, and that's what's to be praised. There's nothing wrong with beauty and charm. You read the Song of Solomon. It's praised. It's good. But this is the core. So, yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. So the quote, uh, like, D underneath D2, okay. what it says, just care for a 
Yeah. But that's parallel with her hand to the floor. So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily saying she's instructing specifically mm-hmm. her children. So sure. that seems like it's an opinion. I mean, like, because it almost sounds like it's our responsibility, mm-hmm. like all on, because in the quote it says, all okay. satisfied by his wife. Sure, sure. And uh, that's excellent. Thank you very much for pointing that out. And um, I think one of the things that we have to do, and I, I, I failed to mention this at the beginning, is, is balance Proverbs 31 with the rest of the book of Proverbs, right? And the rest of the book of Proverbs is addressed to the son, the husband, the man, and clearly he's doing what? He's teaching, right? You see over and over the father speaking to the son. He's teaching. He's instructing his whole. And so I don't think it means that the woman only is carrying this responsibility. I think she's doing it alongside of him. It just him. seems what, like the quote is saying sure. is like falls on the wife. Sure. Which is the like that. Yeah. I mean, that sometimes people have that yep. in the Christian church. And yep. It's like taking a view and putting it yep. instead of no, like, I, I, Bible speaking towards. No, that's excellent. Thank you. Yep. And uh, sorry that that was, that was misleading. So well, That's a lot of responsibility. It, 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 is, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> But I think the point, and I was going to take us to the epistles and see how it calls the husband the manager of the home, but it also calls the wife the manager. And it doesn't mean that they're on equal level, nor does it mean that one is slaving after the other one, but it means the husband's the primary manager. He's the primary responsibility for the home. And all the teaching that's going to happen into it, that it's organized and serving the Lord, the wife serves under him, not slaving under him, but serving the role that God has given and helping them carry out these duties. So, who does the weight of instruction fall? Is it the husband or the wife? Um, the answer is yes. And they complement each other. They help each other in this in this task. So, yeah. scriptures. And yet it's a role of support, it's a role of help, and uh, the success of, of the whole, really. Yeah? I think that this is one, this, this chapter in particular is just one to go back to and back to yep. back to because you know, Satan, who is the father of lies and deceiver, he's, he's ripped so much of these words out mm-hmm. and given them a new meaning. Yep. Right. 
scriptures are authority, um, not culture. And scriptures, words, scriptures, terminology is all of it. You know, that's what I am submitting my life to. Um, and, uh, but it's a beautiful thing. The home thrives here in this way. Husband's sacrificial leadership, wives is supporting uh, and caring for, caring for the home. Michael, I have to agree. Yeah. I think you have to. Submission is a beautiful word. Yes. We have to start loving God's word. Mm-hmm. And Oasis, I pray that you will, um, that just even saying right now that you don't like that word, I pray that God will, will just change it because that's God's word. Yeah. And it is a beautiful thing when you have a husband leading you and loving you in that way. It is such a When you get when you get that right, yeah. Um, and his role and my role, yeah. Sorry, you see that perfectly in the in the passage. Yeah. He needs his wife, and she she is devoted to to ultimately his success and his calling where the Lord's placed him as a spiritual leader. And um, so both have to be fulfilling their, their role. But, and it's and it's beautiful because it's blessed and fulfilling yeah. how God created its work. So yeah. it's also really hard because of the form of church in Genesis. Yeah. So the husband's going to have a hard time actually leading like he should. Yep. The wife is going to have a hard time submitting like yep. he should. So it's obviously going to be a struggle That's right. for just about everybody, if not everybody. Mm-hmm. The husband's not going to be performing his leadership the way he should, mm-hmm. which makes it even more difficult for the woman to be this, this, good. this submission the way she should. It's hard for the husband to lead the way he should. And that, that really brings us full circle to what Oasis brought out about what. Kathy Keller said about Christ, he redeems marriage. This curse that, that's happening and the sin, the struggle in marriage, men misusing their roles, women misusing their roles are healed in Christ as we now trust him, love him, have the spirit of Christ in us, and follow the model of Christ as he is submitting to his Father. Um, and uh, we do the same thing. It's beautiful. So it's excellent, excellent thoughts, guys. And uh, so much here. I have gone way over. Um, have several things. You can see the rest on your um, outline. I encourage you to look at First Peter three one through six. He says some awesome things about um, genuine beauty, um, and it's a quiet, submissive spirit is precious in Lord's sight. And uh, I think that jumps on verse thirty. Charm is deceitful; it covers the heart. It can't be trusted. Beauty's bleeding. It's just for temporary. Don't value that women. Don't value that men. Value the fear of the Lord. Strive for that. Cultivate that in your heart. That's the only thing that will last. Praise your wives for the fear of the Lord that you see. Praise one another for the fear of the Lord you see. Because ultimately that praise goes to who? It goes to God who did it. Amen. So, thank you guys. That's the book of Proverbs. Um, But... Totally echo what Mr. Miller said. We need to come back to this over and over. I mean, I think the words and the instruction we get in the New Testament on roles and responsibilities of the home really rests a lot on Proverbs. It's assuming the content of, of Proverbs. It really is. Michael, as a family, we go through it. Not perfectly, mm-hmm. but the day of the, of the month, mm-hmm. the first Proverbs, the second Proverbs, the third Proverbs, and we just go through it. That's great. Because it is the wisdom book for my Yep. Over and over. And you'll see things that you didn't see last month on the sixth 
wise here and increasing wisdom. We're always growing. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word, its clarity, teaching us. Oh, Lord, help us to follow the model of this woman. We don't just hear it, but we do it. We don't just teach it, but we model it, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to submit our lives to your word and um, maybe change. That our homes would flourish and that your name would be glorified. That we would fear the Lord and do everything ultimately for you. And that husbands would excel in leadership, setting the pace and pursuing you and bearing the responsibility and the weight of, of leadership. And the wives would joyfully come up under and support and pursue his success, Lord, as the head and submit with godly fear and joy. We love you. We thank you. Teach us your word. Prepare us for the service to come. In Jesus' name, amen.